Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the new moon in Gemini 1. Uh, and I am joined here today by a very special guest. This is Stephanie Warner. How are you doing today, Stephanie? You know, as as well as can be expected, <laughs> given yeah. the trying times. But no, I'm doing well. Yeah, it's Stephanie and I have been kind of preparing for this uh, show today, just kind of commiserating over the really challenging energy that we've been experiencing as a collective um, with some of the really difficult news that we've been experiencing here in the States and around the world. Um, everyone's feeling a little bit balsamic moon today, so we may be a yeah. little bit in our feelings, right? A bit of, yeah, I just felt so exhausted yesterday and just like this burnout that I think has been pending um, and just a lot of, yeah, the need to just process i think and absolutely do nothing yeah let things percolate yeah well we're being joined by a number of wonderful folks from around the world so if you are joining us here today on the live stream please leave us a message and let us know where you're stopping in from it's always wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces here and 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 figure out where you're coming from around the world. Uh, just a few shout outs here thus far. We've got Remco stopping in from the Netherlands. How you doing, friend? Rachel is here from the chilly north coast of Ireland, <laughs> which is very <laughs> cool. CCJ stopping in from Seattle. Looking forward to our insights today. Uh, Betty Meza is here from El Paso, Texas. Wow. Betty, I hope you're doing okay. Uh, Texas has been in the news today and I, I, I my heart and goes out to all of you and we'll touch on that a little bit today hopefully we can bring some peace of mind i know that there's not a ton of <laughs> things we could say but uh yeah i don't know um ek is here from madison welcome ek uh lynn is joining us from vermont um yeah keep keep it coming let's hear where you're all coming in from that's one of the things i love about this this channel uh is just the the intelligence and um emotional intelligence and compassion mm -hmm. of this community here today. So I would say that one thing I would ask from everyone today is uh, an especially um, extra dose of compassion for everyone here today, especially in the chat and things like that, because I think we're all going through what I would consider a little bit of a period of mourning. Um, mm -hmm. And we're gonna discuss that a little bit as well. Uh, a couple other people, Stephanie, before we dive into it. Uh, Dimphy is joining us, another Netherlands friend and Christina is joining us from Germany. So lovely to see all of you friends. Um, so Stephanie, before we kind of dive into the, the zeitgeist that we're processing here, yeah. um, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our audience, tell them a little bit more about what you do, your services, where we can find you, sort of your journey with astrology and all of the other things and your talents. Thank you. Well, I... Yeah, my services right now um, are primarily, I, I have been doing astrology readings, but my books are closed at the moment. My, I'm working at um, the Chani app, and I'm the main astrology writer for Excellent. Chani since, I guess, August. It's almost a year. Time has gone so quickly. But since starting that full-time job, I've... Um, yeah, kind of shut, put my reading practice on hiatus, but hope to, you know, return to, to that pretty soon. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram at Dark Moon Astrology. 
And there is a link in my bio to my Substack, which is called the Mercury Papers. And yeah, that's kind of where my longer form astrology essays, meditations, poetic meditations on on the stars. Um, and I have to say, Stephanie, I am a huge fan of your writing. If, if you all have not checked out Stephanie Warner's writing, do yourself a favor and immediately go, go to that Substack, follow her on Instagram, because I will say, and, I, and this is not hyperbole, but you're definitely one of the, the most interesting writers that I've seen and talented writers um, with a just a depth of knowledge with myth and story and the way that you weave things is just very, very deft. So uh, we're in the presence of, of I, I, don't hesitate to say genius today. So I wanted to give you, no, you know, <laughs> the ultimate <laughs> com you, compliment. Because, and, and it's well-deserved though, Stephanie. I think that Stephanie and I were talking a little bit before about you know, how we maintain our artistic vision mm -hmm. throughout uh, our lives and all of the different um, circumstances we find ourselves in. But, uh, just, I hope you keep doing you and, and you know, and keep doing that stuff. So it's great. Tell us a little bit more. You are actually, I, I find this is so interesting. Um, the guests that I bring on always have something poignant. There's always the right, perfect timing. Um, mm. do, you, do you share a little bit of your chart placements at all? Do you, are you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so tell us what your kind of big three here is. So I'm Gemini rising, Sun and Leo moon and cancer i'm a night chart um and i i was really intrigued to hear that you have chiron on an angle as well so i've got chiron conjunct my ascendant so you know heart on sleeve like oozing spraying yeah. blood um it's yeah like my pain is kind of just on the surface i think but there is that desire as well to kind of you know, with the trine to the MC to integrate that into my practice. And I, I really do love doing readings and, you know, felt like my Chiron was like that ability to hold space for yeah. folks who are looking for answers. And that felt, and I think I, I do that in my writing as well, my poetry, like there's, you know, I, I will go there. I, I don't really, the, the kind of more taboo kind of you know, my first poetry collection, which I might read something from today if we have time, yeah. kind of gets into, yeah, the some of the trauma in my family lineages and sort of how I'm holding space for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, yeah, the, 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 the art, artistry that you weave is, is important. And I think that, um, you know, having that Gemini Ascendant, you have a unique insight into some of the uh, the themes and meditations around Gemini. Um, there was also, I think, a, a, a neat synchronicity uh, about your PhD thesis, mm -hmm. right? Your, your focus, right, with your PhD. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Sure. So I actually finally just finished my corrections. So, you know, I passed my PhD in January, but then had another three months of sort of going back and rewriting bits and going through my examiner's annotations. Um, I was actually in Mexico finishing the, the last of the last of, yeah. yeah, the dregs of that. But my, my PhD is actually focused on 
a remarkable collection of poetry by a contemporary British poet named Denise Riley, who I encourage all of you to check out her work. Um, I, I was focused in particular on her latest um, collection, Say Something Back, which is, I remember sort of the centerpiece poem of that collection, which is called A Part Song, being read to me during my master's before I was even thinking of pursuing a PhD. And I was just so blown away by this poetic sequence, which was kind of a, an elegy um, in sections. The, the poem really jumps between different sort of poetic registers and um, sort of more archaic rhyming schemes and then more colloquial language. Um, and this, anyway, this collection was written after the death of her adult son who passed away tragically suddenly. And she sort of went poetically silent for many years and then just came out with this extraordinary heart-wrenching collection. And so, yeah, that, that was kind of the focus of my PhD. And I was looking, looking at war poetry as well. There's a, also a sequence in that collection that was commemorated um, for the, yeah, a sort of commemoration for the soldiers who died, perished during the first, you know, world war. Um, right. And yeah, there's a very just interesting kind of tension across that poetry collection where the speaker of the poems is sort of is sort of dwelling in that melancholic space and sort of observing the imaginative riches that are <clears throat> available when yeah. you sort of dwell with the shade in the underworld. But there's knowledge that the longer that she that the speaker attempts to linger with, you know, the ghost of her departed son, there's like he can't. She, she's keeping him from his sort of being mediated or making mm -hmm. that transition from the world of the living to the world of the dead. Yeah. And I think that that really ties in well, I think with the conversation we might have about Hermes, the, the host or Mercury, the mm -hmm. host of this new moon and maybe his role as psychopomp as well Absolutely. as the, as yeah. the guide of souls uh, to the underworld. <laughs> Um, and I was talking with Stephanie earlier about, man, how do we even process and, you know, express uh, anything that would be helpful to people in this challenging time? That's something that I always think about on these shows is how can I offer some kind of peace of mind? And what, what I wanted to do to, to start out today, just to kind of set the mood, is I really wanted uh, Stephanie to share one of her poems, um, because I think it's just so poignant that on the day we choose to do our live stream together, we're, we're a nation, a, a world in, in mourning on some level. And sometimes just the power of art, the power of presence, and the power of acknowledging some of that pain, I think is really important. And maybe that's mm -hmm. something that can help us move into, consolidate the seed that maybe needs to be planted at the new moon in Gemini, which we will break down in depth soon. So you had a piece for us? Yeah. So, so I'm going to read actually the, the title piece from 
my, <clears throat> I don't know if you can see that, but it's yeah. my first collection, um, A Violent Streak. This was published by Fitzhenry and Whiteside in 2018. God, right. time flies. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this poem kind of gets into um, my family history and on my mother's side more so, so um, yeah, sort of farming stock, um, folks that emigrated over from Norway, Estonia. But yeah, it's just a poem about sort of the, I guess the half-life of grief and trauma that can- And we didn't tell people where you're actually from, right? You're, you're, where are you stopping in so. from here? We've got this international crowd. Where, where are you joining us from today? Well, ever the Gemini, I'm just all yeah. over the place lately, but I, I recently got back from a long kind of odyssey, 12th house odyssey through California, then Mexico and I will be based in Nelson, British Columbia um, until the fall. And I'm cool. planning on maybe moving to Mexico right. um, for the next eclipse season. A citizen of the world, right? Yes. I mean, right. my ideal would be to have a, a bolt hole in multiple cities there across you go. the world. All right, so what do you have for us? So this, this, this is called A Violent Streak. A Violent Streak or is it a seam, ragged with dropped stitches, a disregard for function or aesthetics, the way the coolies look hewn from the prairies with a hatchet, cows slumbered in their own frozen shit, neon pulsing all you can eat, and a grid of county roads bisecting the landscape like dogma, not theirs. Fort McMoney's where all their best boy, boys go Returned two, two years later with a souped-up Chevy, stereo surround and oxblood seats, missing a hand. The flare stacks never leave their minds. The prayer-like rise and fall of oil wells, where the sun sets, the colors all wrong through a shimmered film of pollution. Happy hour, it's always happy hour, and nightly wet t-shirt contests in bars plucked from Felix the Cat's carpet bag. For mica and movie prop furnishings heaped like kindling. Perhaps the Coors Light and casseroles on heirloom cut glass platters are small measure against the 30 hectares of drifted snow, crumpled silos, ice sealed sloughs, and the oil rigs like a flock of condors closing in from the west so a millionaire hockey player on his last concussion can wake up to heated tiles. If the whole thing is a charade, nobody lets on. The men out to buy the annual Christmas gun and gas for ATV donuts on Lake Gull, which has nothing to do with lakes or gulls. The women pinch the scalloped edges of pies, doilies draped on every conceivable surface. Precious moments, angels, 1,000 piece puzzles shellacked on the walls. More babies than anybody knows what to do with. Should have rented a goddamn hall. Something sinister in the blood, your mother would say. A cousin's bar fight in Cremona, gone pear-shaped with blow, Miss Sam Steele, 76, the broken neck, the bottle of bud. A nephew mangled in a baler, Others dismantled more elegantly by drink in the Bashaw Casino. 
but never grandpa who built who built this house with his hands along with a couple of ex-Hutterite kids out of their minds on moonshine. Perhaps he always hankered over a death, quick and clean-like, before another stroke could bend his handsome angles, pry him from the farm to the home in Leduc, the petite morts of bingo nights, shuffle boards, and plastic champagne flutes. Certain things can't be helped or expected even, the stillborn calves and their mandalas of slime, the cold snap and the coyotes plucking kittens from the barn like truffles. Even the children know not to name them. And Grandpa alone in his Pontiac, the turquoise of the Spanish Sea, engine idling in the barn, folks gone to church, lingered over coffee, deviled eggs and the week's gossip. Hank on the tape deck, pining for chicken jambalaya and the June bugs thudding against window glass. Exhaust strolled into the cornfield maze of his mind, lungs, the two sicks of whiskey, the funny pages, and the job done. His rakish smile, some place between charm and spite, flickers in the lips of your cousin, a tomboyish thing of five years old, with a perpetually broken arm, there and gone again like a radio signal. The ants try not to see it, or to pick that wayward stitch as she colors the pantheon of Disney princesses, black and violet auras grackled around their dresses, slits where the crayon was rubbed too hard. She would rather explode cities of Lego with her brother on the living room floor. The ocean bed that it all once was, Red Deer, Grand Forks, Gasoline Alley, Black Diamond, the rocky mountains, a jagged coast, and the oil wells slumbered of no monetary value, value. Though beautiful, oil was always beautiful. As well, the paracemium, paramecium, waxing, splitting, the waters seamed with the gold of their endless couplings. Nothing exchanged or passed on. Okay. Very nice. I'm sorry if it's kind of an intense, brutal. No, it's talk, okay. But... It's a. <clears throat> that's why I like about I like I like your your imagery as far as just kind of the I don't know. It's just giving people a slice of that Americana, North American kind of life, you know, mm-hmm. and all of the both the beauty and the rust of it. You know, the pain and the tragedy, the. Uh, the di- dichotomies and dualities, if we're going to bring it back to Gemini, yeah, of the, the idealism that we have in North America and the reality that we're living within. And that's why one of the reasons I wanted to highlight your work, um, your work reminds me, and I said this before, I'll say it publicly, but your, your work reminds me of Liz Green's work. And if you haven't, like I said, check out Stephanie's um, astrological writing on her Instagram and Substack as well, um, because it, it, it's very, it's very Liz Green-esque, who's one of my ultimate favorite Which astrological I writers. love Liz Green, so yeah. it's a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, and Christopher is saying, uh, such a painter with words. Uh, Kate is saying, devastatingly beautiful, Stephanie. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I agree. And I think that I wanted to start with your, your art to 
set the tone today because I think that that's the that's the entry point that we're working with today. Um, so check out Stephanie Substack. Tell me the the site once again so people can find yeah, you. Yeah, so so it's the Mercury Papers. Okay. Or if you search Stephanie Warner Substack as well, you'll probably find it. And yeah. that that Substack is linked in my Instagram bio as Perfect. well. Perfect. And your Instagram is dark underscore moon underscore, <laughs> underscore astrology not to be confused with the million of the millions of of imposter accounts that i've seen right yeah we've all and been dealing with that where i know we've all yeah. gone through it it's on a, it's it barely works it's barely worth mentioning but and you have a patreon as well where people can support your writing um through the Substack, if you subscribe you can subscribe for free but there's also an option to pay i think it's about five bucks a month and that un unlocks the full archive and right. yeah it's just a way to support my work very cool um yeah. okay so supports stephanie's work pick up her her collection of poetry if it's available it, uh it is <laughs> okay so that would be great um yeah uh, one more business thing before we dive into it, uh, as we have to do in these modern times. Um, I do have a Decans of Gemini webinar coming up on June the 11th. Um, if you wanted to join me for a deep dive on Gemini, where we're going to go over some of the themes that were expand on some of the themes we're going to talk about today, you can sign up for that with the link in the description of this video. The easiest way to support this channel is to like this video and subscribe to the channel. If you would like to make a material donation to the work that we're doing here today, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super sticker or super chat, and that's a great way to help keep the lights on and, um, you know, help us to <laughs> buy more books. That's help me to buy more <laughs> books, really. You know, that's why I always say chocolate and books is what those donations go to to, to keep me going. Um, but I really appreciate all of your support and everyone being here today. Uh, another thing that you can do is just leave a comment in the chat box here and let us know how you're doing. If you have questions for Stephanie and I today, we'd be more than happy to answer that and do, do our best with that as well. So I'm looking through the chat here, Stephanie. We've got a couple more people joining us. Yevgen is joining us here. Hello, my friend Yevgen. Um, we have uh, Faye is joining us, stopping in. Hello, Faye. Uh, Cookerzilla is here, excited about the new moon. Um, Remco's asking, what is the name of the poet your PhD was about again, Stephanie? So that's Denise Riley. Denise Riley. Okay, so check out Denise Riley if you want to see some of Stephanie's inspirations. Um, yeah, we've got Kate joining us from New Hampshire. Uh, and Lynn is giving you props as well for the beauty of your work. So oh, um, thank you. Excited for that today. So Let's talk some astrology, right? We've set the mood. We've uh, eased our way into it, balsamic moon style, uh, with a little bit of art. And Venus a Pluto. <laughs> I, I right. thought that was a very Venus Pluto poem as well. I was like, yeah, I need to go there. The Venus Pluto thing perfected at very early hours uh, today. Um, yeah. And I was feeling it the last couple of days as well. And, and tell me, all of you out there, if you've had any Venus Pluto stories, because mm. I will have to say, I've been feeling that not only from the, the challenges from the gun violence in Texas and all of the fallout and emotional processing and cathartic processing from that, but I had an experience, a story I wanted to share in my own neighborhood where we, we went for our normal regular walk uh, as a family yesterday, the same circuit we take every day, and had some woman, like a 
a white woman in her maybe mid to late 30s uh, with Texas license plates. I thought the symbolism of this was just mm. too much for me to process on some level. Yeah. Who, who was following my partner and my daughter and I, um, and my, my partner happens to be black, so there was a little bit of tension as far as what this woman was saying to us and just was following behind us, um, inching behind us two miles an hour for about five blocks, like was sneering at us and giving us the, the, the thumbs up and like saying oh, like, sinister. Like sarcastically, like, thank you. And weird, very, very strange, like me mentally uh, ill type of behavior, yeah. very, very threatening. Um, and literally followed us for five blocks, making three or four turns in our neighborhood um, to the point where I had to get on the, you know, the emergency line and say, hey, we, we're being followed right now. Um, yeah. Could you send someone? <laughs> so, um, yeah, we had to deal with that. And uh, the woman I'm was so glad that you're OK and that she was. I am, too. Yeah, because you, you never know. I, I didn't really engage with her. I think that when you have people mm -hmm. that are dealing with whatever mental health issue she was dealing with, engaging them can escalate. So yeah. I just kept my calm and just kept on walking and um, tried to do what I thought was in the best interest of protecting my family. And um, ultimately, she she escalated things with the, the police and, and was arrested. And uh, mm -hmm. she was apparently very much under the influence of something. Um, so a little bit of a shaken, a shaken up experience. Um, the woman even in the police report even said that she was trying to help us to quote unquote, celebrate Juneteenth, which if, if you aren't familiar with that as a new holiday that uh, talks about the emancipation of the slaves from Texas. So uh, that is wow. not how you, what <laughs> don't even, that's I, just a whole other level of, yeah. I don't know. So I, She's, she's been Al Gold. <laughs> very much so. It felt very Al Gold. It felt yeah. like a, 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 a visceral experience of the zeitgeist that we are experiencing with, with mm -hmm. gun violence, with racially motivated hate crimes. Um, yeah. All of it just came rushing right into my face in my backyard. What were and, your transits that if you were paying attention? Yeah. Well, I know that this was happening in my... Venus was squaring Pluto from my um, ninth to my sixth, but in my partner's chart, it was in her fourth and her first. So it was it was angular for her, um, right on her ascendant. So that like Pluto is right on her ascendant. She's a Capricorn ascendant, mm -hmm. and um, you know, so you could see maybe something coming from uh, the the depths coming up from the the home base uh, squaring off there. Also, I, I will say that people with Pluto in the first will sometimes be projected upon as well. Right. Or, yeah, yeah I, I could totally see that. I, and I, the other thing in her chart that was going on is Mars was making an overcoming square to the ruler of her third house, which was Jupiter. So mm -hmm. from the fourth and the seventh. So to, mm -hmm. to me, that was the third house represents, I think, your immediate environment, short journeys. And there was a, a, a Mars-Jupiter conjunction in her fourth that was squaring her natal Jupiter in the seventh. So uh, it was, yeah, I think that might, if I was trying to think about what was going on there, that could have been part of the, the this, this astrological discussion as well. Um, I didn't get the lady's birthday, so I don't know what's going on with her. <laughs> One second, officer, I need a natal chart. What I will say, though, bringing Algal back into the discussion, 
yeah. is, you know, first of all, the, the, the shooter in Texas did have an Algol son. So he, he had the son on Algol. And I do think what we're experiencing over the last few weeks is the culmination and the, the, the fruition of that really difficult eclipse that we had with the sun on Algol and the moon uh, opposite in Saturn square. Um, he also had Mars and Saturn um, in Cancer, which in traditional astrology is, is ill-dignified. It's a very mm -hmm. difficult position for those two planets. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have these placements that, that some horrific tragedy is going to happen, but um, there was some symbolism around that. Uh, and Next I will... He bought, bought the guns on his birthday, so right. on that. On the Algol yeah. eclipse, right. Eclipse. Exactly. Yeah. So what I will say about the continuation of Algol's we actually left uh, as the police were, were questioning this person and as she was escalating. And we lived a couple blocks away from, from where the, it was happening. And we heard this like blood curdling scream that could only, mm. it sounded very, very uh, Medusa maybe. Like, yeah. you know, like, and then a horn honking. It was, and it was definitely her like being arrested basically. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a very visceral, it was a very literal um, experience of that. Um, and I think that the, the point I'm trying to make with that is that we can't, you can't escape some of these things. They're, they're going to find you wherever you're at. That doesn't mean that we fall prey to the fear or that we never leave our house, although <laughs> with the combination of a global pandemic and like things going a little nutty in my neck of the woods here in America. Yeah. Um, there's the temptation, the Cancerian temptation to just be like, oh, I got plenty of books here. I got food for the next chocolate. few weeks. I got <laughs> chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, that's one thing that I think is really important as we move through some of these challenging circumstances is to, to not, not try to just stick our heads in the sand and ignore it i think that we have to practice the type of self-care that we need to do to keep ourselves centered like like i said if i had handled it a different way if i'd gotten really upset if i'd like confronted this person it probably could have turned out very differently yeah. and i wanted to share too that i've dealt with some people in the past that have had some mental health challenges and it have been very confrontational and i would suggest if if you in your the audience find yourself in these situations one of the things that I would highly stress is, is not um, engaging with folks like that if it's possible and trying to keep your center, trying to remain calm. And sometimes people like that will lose interest. I think that's, uh, and if you still feel that you're under a threat like that, then you do, I think, what we had to do, which was ask for help. So um, so I hope that all of you are, are doing okay out there and working through this these challenging energies um so yeah so, i actually just heard from a friend that she she had a crazy experience um during you know the it was the day of the the shooting the was it the moon and mars that the moon and mars ingressed together pretty much yeah or, we had an aries aries moon and mars uh, mars was at that anoretic degree the 29th yeah. degree of pisces that day so, the moon so there was went first yeah and okay. we have Mars at a really volatile degree that they like mm -hmm. to describe that as at the last degree of a sign. But my friend 
was telling me she lives in another small town um, three hours from Nelson and her basically her father's dog um, was attacked by a bear that day and the dog is okay but you know this was right in the town (laughs) Canada like we do deal with wildlife in a really intimate way here but yeah it was you know somehow I don't know how this dog survived but um he did and my friend's dad basically chased the bear like the bear was kind of about to charge but was bluffing and fortunately he had he hikes with a I guess a ski pole and the combination I guess ski pole another dog that was with him he looked just threatening enough that the bear decided okay maybe I won't take this on and sort of ambled back into into the woods and this poor traumatized dog was just covered in bear slobber and basically unharmed but just completely I think I think he's doing better now but but I was thinking about Mars the Mars connection to wild animals and sort of yeah I think he I think my friend's dad was going to try to poke him in his eyes you know with the ski pole that kind of the medusa stare sort of neutralizing the yeah medusa stare i saw a similar story like that on social media over the last week where a dog defended their owner against a mountain lion was similar similar type of story like you know an an apex predator basically mars-esque um maybe staying inside is not (laughs) (laughs) All the all the agoraphobics in the audience are like, mm-hmm, yep, all right. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is the Cancerian like balsamic moon show, everybody. So, uh, <laughs> and I know that everyone's got different levels of what actually helps them feel supported. So, um, yeah. however you deal with your your challenges and and how um, people are dealing with processing all of the things that are going on. You know, everyone's going to have a little bit of a different approach, and I think I do think completely hiding yourself away is not necessarily the you know we need community. Um, I have to remind myself of this as a twelfth house Cancer son a lot. Is oh, maybe I need some people, you know? But the I can understand the impulses that some of us might have about saying, you know, it's just getting crazy out there. I think I'll just stay in this little sanctuary. And but what I'm saying though is that even when you try to put, keep yourself in that little bubble, even when you only you know, for me, I've really just gone in this like little five block radius for most of the last two and a half years, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And even in that small little bubble, you can still come face to face with the energy of the collective. And um, we have It'll to find recognize you. It'll day find day you. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. All right, Stephanie, let's start talking this new moon. Uh, we've processed some of the, the challenges of the last week. Uh, I know that there's not there's nothing that we can say that will will at least completely bring peace to that situation, but hopefully us being today and talking it out, we can uh, at least help with the cathartic process on some level. Mm-hmm. So Stephanie, what do you think about this new moon that we're moving into, the transition of the astrology of the last few weeks of eclipse season into this particular new moon lunation? What are you seeing? Well, if I, if, I, if I may just backtrack for sure. a second and just share yeah. an anecdote about the Scorpio eclipse. And, you know, my, my experience of it was actually quite 
peaceful and kind of knock on wood. <laughs> but um, I, I was in a place in Mexico called San Miguel de Allende. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be talking about, um, well, it's interesting that the, the new moon is on the fixed star um, associated with Archangel Michael. Right. Aldebaran. But, yeah, so yeah. this this city has Archangel Michael as its patron saint. Very and I've cool. always, he's kind of my man. <laughs> he's the one that sticks around. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I was in this beautiful um, city in the desert and I, I was reluctant to actually go out and watch the eclipse because I thought, yeah. I don't know, I don't think I even want these bayful rays on sure. me, like maybe just hide in the hotel. But um, I'm kind of glad I did venture out because I did feel protected by Michael and saw the eclipse happen right by the the spires of this sort of UNESCO protected, just spectacular cathedral and the mariachi were playing and there there was a moment when this this man who honestly he looked like a bro he kind of had like a popped collar and bermuda shorts right, <laughs> you're, you're right. Rep- repping the, the popped collar <laughs> i don't usually wear dress shirts i was inspired today because i i didn't want to get out leoed by you today <laughs> i had to match your i had to match your have you ever seen zoolander you're like yeah. it's like we're having a walk-off right <laughs> like, exactly. no i knew you would dress up so i i had to kind of dress up a little bit right well you're looking very sharp well, thank you very much and you as well thank you but yeah, so the so bro, bro, back to the bro, the bro back to the bro. He, he stepped up to the mariachi um, and they kind of just, yeah, like put down their instruments and he started singing this haunting, just, I, I had goosebumps all over. Like, I'm not even sure what the song was, but it was very mournful and, you know, duendic, um, and then slowly they started to back him up and, you know, started playing, um, bringing the brass in. And this was happening right as that eclipse was perfecting, I think. And it, it felt like he was like talking about sort of the elevation maybe mm-hmm. of Algol. And I think there, there's a piercing, a piercing quality to Algol. And I, that was an experience of just feeling pierced by the haunting beauty of of art and artistic expression and music and you know it, it was just one of those moments i'll never forget mm. i mean there's there's ways that music can communicate things that just regular communication just can't you know i think it taps into that space um, that liminal space that we're going to be kind of discussing with with Gemini and maybe its association with the the 12th house and the Thema Mundi as well that that's you know I was a professional musician for about 20 years before I, I transitioned to doing astrology full-time mm-hmm. and it just always felt much more like fluid with music rather than speaking right I think that mm-hmm. there's there is that when we can tap into that emotional center and that heart center um, you know, you can communicate across dimensions, across worlds, across cultures, yeah. right? I mean, do you, do you speak fluent Spanish or? 
I mean, I lived in Spain for a number of years and during the pandemic, I ended up getting stuck back in Canada. Um, But my Spanish was coming back really quickly when I was there. And yeah, I've always felt, I think both Spain and Mexico are Scorpio countries, but Mm. for the first time in my life um, after what has felt like a really endless kind of Saturnian exile, Uranus in my 12th house, Saturn in my ninth, and I felt very sort of like an exile in my own country of Canada, and I've been Mm. longing for what has felt like a soul home um, where I used to live in Barcelona, but going back there doesn't feel quite right, but when I was in Mexico, I felt that kind of soul resonance again, and haven't felt that in years, so... Well, and that seems to reflect some of the nature of Hermes or Mercury moving between worlds, Mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily, you know, maybe being in a place, but not of it. And then kind of being a citizen that travels, you know, through the boundaries, through the borderlands, through the crossroads. Um, So, yeah, and I think it's worth us taking some time to reflect a little bit on that eclipse because there were so many changes that have gone on it felt this feels like a very important inflection moment in our collective consciousness and i know that we can say that about a lot of different points but um, i do really feel like we're heading into some very interesting slash challenging slash transformational times and i guess you could say that about any time period but it's some it feels a little bit different this time. I don't know if it you're... It feels like a portal. It, feel, yeah. it definitely feels like a point of no return. Yeah. Um, we were discussing this the other day, but I kind of noticed just how there was this weird... I don't want to dwell on the shooting too much, but there was a kind of twinning between Sandy Hook and, you know, this most recent shooting They that Sandy Hook happened when the nodes were in Scorpio Taurus, but reversed. And... Yeah. It just feels like that has created a sort of a fold through the space-time fabric and something has ripped or something. I don't know. Like yeah. Our hearts, the, our hearts the, have the ripped in half. <laughs> like, I think yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's one thing for that unimaginable, just like evil and depravity to happen, but the fact that it happened twice and nothing right. really, I think that's what is possibly breaking people's minds. Yeah. And I I can't help but think about if we're talking more about Pluto and the United States and the Pluto return um, Mm -hmm. that we may be going through as a community, too, is all of the repressed darkness that has to be reconciled with that I think that we're trying to wrap our heads around and how this country was formed, how it's been operated, all the the structures that support it. I don't have any good answers. Like I, I just live here. Well, it, <laughs> like, it kind of feels like Pluto, you know, obviously Pluto transits are, um, they're a slow burn. They're kind of, it's a, a slow rolling kind of wave, but I feel like there's been a kind of rotting of institutions like the, at the foundations, the foundations are, you know, we're on, I mean, I'm a Canadian, but we cannot help but be affected 
like this kind of implosion of the US supernova, the, the black hole that it feels like it's being sucked into that power vacuum will right. affect the whole world. I mean, the US has so many, you know, I don't want to say tentacles, but maybe I will in, in different crab you know, claws. Crab claws, crab right? Claws. Exactly. <laughs> kind of yeah. the vice grip of those crab claws. But I think I think whatever has been a slow kind of decay with Pluto, I feel like there might be a, a sort of a swifter bottoming bottoming out now with kind of what's happening with Mars Jupiter. Yeah. I don't want to sound alarmist or yeah. but it just with kind of the um what's happening with abortion rights and baby formula shortages, kids, mm-hmm. you know, being gunned down. There's like, this is, this is real kind of Aryan primordial survival, just basics of survival stuff, food shortages. Um, well, and having it affect, having all those planets square by whole sign, the cancer sun of America as well, the, the cancerian yeah. nurturing quality seeing this overcoming violence that is making it very difficult for people to feel secure, for them to feel safe, for them to feel properly supported as far as like with their bodies, with their health. Um, The opioid crisis as well, like how insidious that is, but you know, yeah, yeah, it's, I don't have any answers, but (laughs) well, in what I was, you know, I think that what I've learned with astrology is, you know, the, the, the wheel continues to spin. So it, it's, it is important to be present in the moment that we're in and to deal with that um, realistically, soberly, but also to have faith in the, in the, the continuing wheel of fortune, the continuing spinning that we are in a cyclical existence on some level and I guess I could say this too shall pass, but it's hard to, to pull that cliche out, you know, when you're like, well, this too shall pass, but is it going to keep happening again unless we do yeah, something Yeah, how many times it? will right. we let it, yeah. let that wheel spin? And So I think that there, what I'm feeling with the, the collective that I think is reflected in Jupiter and Aries, Mars and Aries, all of these things mm-hmm. is that the collective is kind of fed up with sort of this stuff. And, and I honestly, mm-hmm. I really hope that they are and enough to make something happen and change and movement with it right and the south node in scorpio as well i think it really brings that gr- almost gruesome catharsis i think of minads just mm. you know keening or that sort of the grief that has people ripping their hair and beating their breast you know it's that is the kind of um i don't know just ripping uh, like sort of psychic ripping that will maybe birth something new and even Medusa's head, you know, dripping blood, there's a connection with apparently with menstrual blood and sort of the life giving um, richness of that blood. And well, wasn't Pegasus born from the head of Medusa as well? Yeah. Like you can see that in the constellation, like it erupting out of the the gorgon's head so exactly and sort of how the you know the medusa head became transformed into you know an enchanted athena's shield i guess and was right. used later in battles to great effect and 
you know, that death was not in vain. Mm. If, if anything, Medusa gathered power, you know, right. after that initial gruesome beheading. Um, I was actually looking just out of curiosity, looking into kind of what was happening during the last Mars Jupiter um, mm -hmm. in Aries conjunction. Yeah. And I got total goosebumps the day it was exact. Um, I think it was May, May 5th, 2011. That was when Osama bin Laden was killed. Wow. And yeah, like a huge. Are we are we perfecting that aspect today as we're recording this Mars Jupiter or when is that it go exact? I think it's on the 29th. 29th. Okay. So in two days, yeah. Well, buckle up. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. Well, we'll try not to bum everybody out out in more than we already are. Uh, I mean, but, another maybe a, cheer, yeah. a more cheerful. Sure. Um, some other Mars Jupiter things I noticed was Jaws was oh. the hit film during the conjunction in 1975. And, um, I think Game of Thrones started like kicked off its first season yeah. when Mars and Jupiter were co-present. Yeah, and you know, from just my decanic exploration, the, the first decan of Aries, really, it, it's a double Mars ruled decan. So it's mm -hmm. really about severing and separating from the collective consciousness to be able to individuate and to say, this is who I am, this is who I am not, and eventually mm -hmm. infuse that new consciousness into a physical body as we transition potentially into Taurus later, right? Well, huge questions now about sort of the police. It looks like they were totally ineffectual at the right. scene of that crime. And right. the parents were begging to be allowed to go in there and we're being held down. And again, like not to dwell on this too long, but that mm. just feels so within kind of Mars and Aries taking things into your own hands and realizing just to the extent you know, how much Pluto has decayed and corrupted the sort of institutional level of care that is so just divorced from actual care in a crisis or when it really matters and, and folks yeah. being like, well, we're going to have to do this on a community level or just take matters in our own hands. I think that will be a huge thing in the coming, hmm. coming weeks. Yeah, that, that was especially frustrating um, that the people that were supposed to be protecting in that circumstance had such difficulty doing so. I will offer a Gemini, you know, dualistic perspective. Yeah. I will say in, in my own circumstance, the, uh, the police officers that came to, to our situation were actually very, very nice. They were very gentle uh, at first with the, the person they were dealing with. Um, so it, it's tough. It's, yeah, it's I'm like not trying to make blanket terms. No, yeah, no, no. I, 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 on the subject. Yeah. I, I think that it, we have to. This is part of the Gemini challenge: is we have to be able to hold the dualities without having to necessarily see it as all or nothing. Um, and it's it's so tough. It, it's so tough because I I totally and understand and agree that overall. The, the systems that we have in place for keeping people safe are completely corrupted and ineffective. Yeah. Um, at the same time, there's human beings behind some of those badges as well that are trying to, some of them are trying to do okay things. 
I, I will also even go even further to say that some of those systems were started to uphold uh, you know, white supremacy after slavery, so that we have to also acknowledge that as well. So uh, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a lot of those things. And, you know, yeah. to be honest with you, in my own local community, I do feel like they, they sent three officers, two of them were women, uh, women yeah. of color, and yeah. we, we had, they were trying to do, I have seen in my community more resources put towards trying to respond to mental health crises. And I, I do mm -hmm. feel like those officers were at, at, in my particular situation, were trying to respond in a more um, compassionate way to yeah. understanding the mental health challenge that they were faced with. And de-escalate. Yeah. De-escalate, exactly. It, you know, yeah. um, so I appreciated that because it's been a point of emphasis in my city because there's also been some really horrific tragedies from our police department in the city that I live in as well that were similar to some of the things that we saw in Minnesota with George Floyd. But what I'm, I guess my point is, is I, I hope that we're trying to re recreate those types of um, services in ways that will actually help our communities and be something that people have faith in rather than, than are not able to trust or have more money and resources put towards mental health responders and things mm -hmm. of that nature. So I don't, I don't have all the good answers. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I always say this, like if people try to tell you that they know everything, that's when you should really question <laughs> what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think the curiosity I slowly away from those. People. Exactly. So the, the curiosity of Gemini is I think really important being able to mm -hmm. ask the right questions and, and explore new pathways about what possible solutions could be. Right. And I think that dovetails really nicely back to the Gemini new moon and, yeah. you know, the first decan of Gemini that's being lit up. And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot there that I think there's kind of a delicacy and, you know, the the instruments that we see in that decan. I think there's a man holding a bundle of arrows. I looked up the Sabian symbol for mm -hmm. nine degrees of Gemini and it was a quiver full of arrows, which was interesting. Right. And the woman floating, holding, is it, is she holding a harp or I might not be remembering. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm less, um, you know, learned on the Sabian degrees. I know my own, which is a, a man studying an ancient book with a mandala in front of him that's literally <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's literally the that. that's <laughs> literally the degree of my son and then my my moon one is an uh, an old teacher fails to interest his pupils in ancient knowledge <laughs> so that, that one's always like oh. roasted by your own I know. Well, that will make you want to overcompensate right yeah. exactly try to make it entertaining I, for people um, i can say from my own experience your astrology work is captivating well, thank you yeah. Thank you. Okay. It's a woman floating in the air, gifted in ne needlework, Agrippa, a man with a professor's rod. So these are just kind of right. Deccan, um, the hauntings of the Deccan. So a lot here about virtuosity, mastery, skill, weaving. I think Austin Kopic kind of brings up an interesting idea about this Deccan, sort of calling it the place where we confront the binary disease mm. sort of 
is yeah. a disease, I think, that, you know, is at the root of a lot of our problems right now, politically and with polarization and... Um, yeah, he calls that duck in the apple of Eden, which uh, the, mm. the, the bite of the apple um, basically thrusting us into the world of duality after the, the unification in the garden, right. so to speak, right. um, in binary code, ones and zeros, and all of the all of the things that we're not, and all of, you know, what we consider opposite duality. And I think that in, you know, modern society, we've been, I've definitely seen a, a movement towards non-dualistic thinking and, and maybe the, mm. the, the zeitgeist and, and the younger generation that is coming up. I'm trying to, you know, get back to that original oneness on some level. Although mm -hmm. on other, on, in other ways, we've seen the polarization just get, the, the, the gap get wider and the gulf between people's ideologies just swing, you know, completely in these crazy directions. Well, I sometimes wonder as well with kind of the singularity that we're going <laughs> through with Saturn and, and Aquarius, and I think Pluto and Aquarius will really kick that into another gear but just kind of the infiltration of computers, technology, algorithms right. into our lives and there not being a separation there. Um, and quite literally with the neural link if people go for that, but you know, goddess forbid. Um, no, thank but you. yeah, that's sort of like computer binaries kind of infiltrating our thought processes or yeah. I, I wonder sometimes if we're becoming more driven by binaries because we're kind of interacting with them so much through social I think, media. I think we have to reconcile or reckon. We have to have reckon with our technology. Um yeah. with Pluto and Aquarius 100%. I think there's a whole other like topic for a whole other show. Yeah, we could, yeah, exactly. We'll have you back on the show to talk about Pluto and Aquarius and all of the the terminator like realities that could entail. Or even, I don't even know what else it could be. Like, I'm just thinking of all these dystopian novels uh, regarding that. Um, but Stephanie, let's talk a little bit about this tarot card. You you are a card slinger of sorts, right? And, and <laughs> we've got- It's not my main practice, but yeah, I do sling on occasion. <laughs> right. So we've got the Eight of Swords here that is related to the, the first second of Gemini. And here we see a figure that is blindfolded and bound, surrounded by swords. We're um, both wearing orange. I just want to. There you go. Right. There you go. Both. <laughs> Did not plan you, that. You, you are embodying the archetype today on some level, maybe. Um, this card is called the Lord of Shortened Force and the Lord of Interference in Book T and Book mm. of Toth, respectively. Austin Kopic again calls it the Apple of Eden and T. Susan Chang discusses fate versus free will with this card, which mm. is bringing in the major arcana of the wheel of fortune because this is a jupiter ruled decan and the lovers which is the card associated with gemini so yeah. she's talking about you know the fate that we have to we don't never necessarily have a choice over and then the lovers which is really about choice and choices yeah. so you know to me and, I, and i'll toss this back to you in a second here like what do you think this to me, my first impulse when I think about this is Jupiter in Mercury's sign. It's exile, right? Jupiter mm -hmm. in, in Gemini. An explosion of doubt, an explosion of options, of questions, right? Or, yeah. um, and they talk about the paralysis of all this, paralysis by analysis on some level. 
What yeah. do you what do you think about that? And how have you experienced either this this decan or Gemini in, in general having that as your ascendant? I mean, I it's interesting in, in the Toth that you know the eight swords are a ladder and mm -hmm. just thinking again game of thrones chaos is a ladder but you know like imagine trying to climb that particular ladder and you know this is it's almost like there is no you just have to you can't go up you can't really go down you just have to kind of be dwell in that space of not having many options and kind of being between a rock and a hard place, as it were. Um, you know, the woman in the um, Rider Waite, you know, the Pamela Coleman art, she's blindfolded and it appears that she's, you know, tied to the, um, to the, to the swords, but she's actually not. She, I believe she can easily kind of step out and right. And there is, you know, the water, this kind of trickle of, of water at her feet. So, you know, I think in, in the tarot, there's always a connection with intuition and the subconscious with any um, body of water. But it feels like there, there is, it is important to go within if you can't maybe make sort of material, external um, progress, sort mm. of going the blindfold as well like trusting your intuition there's something almost kind of hanged man like about mm. that card as well i think um yeah, so i think we like collectively we are in a moment maybe of suspension in so many ways and it feels like every decision is so weighted and with sort of the brinkmanship that's going on right now as well with the ukraine russia conflict right, and right the nuclear war threat that's always kind of there, I guess. Um, the, nu the nuclear black cloud hanging over yeah, our heads. Yeah. can't think about that right now. But like there's this, on one hand, Mars, Jupiter there is almost like a blowtorch. And then this new moon, the Eight of Swords, like it's much more teasing out this, the complexity of this bind that we find ourselves in almost requires like a Houdini-like dexterity um, right. and how to reconcile the blowtorch with the needle point or, mm. you know what I mean? It's Well, and isn't it interesting, isn't it interesting too that she literally has the implements to release herself from that bondage within yeah. a few feet? You know, I didn't even think of that, but and maybe since and I, th I talk about this a lot with Aquarius and Saturn as the, the glass mm -hmm. ceiling uh, limiting narratives rather than material mm -hmm. limits. Maybe mm -hmm. Gemini has a similar energy with it where maybe we feel like we're dealing with all of these this overwhelm of our own thoughts and our own narratives, but we also have the ability to to release ourselves from that. Um, if we maybe change perspective, because she's facing the opposite direction of these yeah, swords, right? right? Maybe seeing it from a different direction. I feel, and this is just my personal opinion, but we've had a lot of machinations, like in Congress, about passing common sense gun control and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And it, it's there if people want to act on it, you know? <laughs> they, it, well, it's it, even something like, what if you just had one... Door, like you changed all the schools to have one door in the front maybe that would be a fire hazard I don't know but I feel like there's so many sort of in between common sense 
you know, almost like the kind of boring, tedious, but very mercurial, detail-oriented um, small measures that could add mm. up to make a big difference. But I feel like we do, we live in a society now where, you know, we're chasing, I don't know, like to go viral or to make yourself or to even have kind of your voice heard, you have to take an extreme stance almost. And I feel like that sort of nuanced Gemini middle ground gets lost a little well, bit. And one thing I wanted to give you another compliment about is that I appreciate that you're committed to long form writing. Stubbornly <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I myself have very diff a lot of difficulty consolidating my thoughts into like 140 characters or whatever the hell it is that we have to yeah. try to fit into because there's yeah. there's so much nuance that goes into these not only these astrological machinations but just mythological examining things from multiple perspective being able mm -hmm. to express uh like you did in your poem earlier the five senses right being able to mm -hmm. get a visceral reaction and a visceral expression and it's so hard to do that and when you're have we have this reductionist type of energy with it so um, I think that is one of the blessings of Gemini is actually not reductionist. It's about expanding, you know, like the way uh, the communication. Pollinating and right. you no know, cross-pollination. Um, yeah. And I think that first decan is that sort of profusion, I, I, you know, of, of pollen releasing. Yeah. And there's, I think, sort of the blessing and the curse of Gemini, and I've definitely experienced this in my own life, is... I feel like there's an ability to dwell in the space of possibility and maybe mm. never that space and having the ability to see all of the bifurcating, subdividing, you know, there you um, go. yeah, paths, um, all of the lives that could be lived and almost being paralyzed yeah. by that. But there's something enchanting and kind of seductive about it mm. as well. Um, well, that is a great segue into this next, first of all, this next comment. I want to acknowledge Remco's comment in the chat because I think he had a really interesting observation. Remco, mm -hmm. who is also a, a talented card slinger, uh, says, okay. to me, the place she stands looks like the shore around Mount St. Michael in France. Uh, the, tide, oh. the tide difference there is huge. And now at low tide, she can stand on the sand. But when the tide comes in, this place is very dangerous. So, oh, I love that. Right? Did, what did Pamela hang out in France? I guess <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so, so maybe we've got this liminal space that maybe we're sort of on dry ground, but we could be flooded with these, Ooh. you know, thoughts, machinations, and I think that that actually works very well with the daimon of Gemini One, which yeah. is a, a deity called Tethys, and Tethys was the Titan goddess of. The, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this from uh, theoi.com, one of my favorite resources. It says, Tethys was the Titan goddess of the primal font of fresh water, which nourishes the earth. She was the wife of Okeanos, uh, which is basically the ocean or the earth circling freshwater stream and the mother of rivers. So she was also considered a nursemaid. But I'm, I'm thinking what, what, what that makes me think of is Okeanos being this unified, you know, body of water surrounding the earth. And then 
Tethys distributing them out in all these tributaries and splitting, so Gemini, yeah. right? Splitting the oneness into all of the uh, bifurcated directions. Um, yeah. So that, 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 that's really starting to click with me because some of these daimons and spirits uh, associated with it, you're like, what? What's going on there? But, them a big old side eye. <laughs> right. But, but that yeah. one makes, that makes sense to me now. And I, and I think that that actually brings in what Remco was saying, like with just these little tributaries here. Um, maybe, maybe even receiving a stream from the, the great waters of the subconscious, like you were pointing out earlier, yeah. like one of these tributaries of Tethys on some level. Well, um, and we've, I mean, not to jump ahead, but we have the Neptune square, right, to the right. full moon. So maybe that is the yeah. tide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we will see. Fig figure out your choice here because you're, you might be inundated and you and I will... Uh, no pressure. No you and pressure. I will complain about Neptune at some point in the show. Well, we're, we might actually be, ha we have flood warnings here. Like Do you? Get really literal. Oh, I yeah. also, I wanted to add that I yeah. saw a scorpion being killed on the lunar eclipse. As oh well. my gosh, really? So wow. Just everything's so literal. Wow. Yeah, that is, that is a message from spirit, just in your perspective, right in there. Um, yeah, so, so we will... We will wax poetic about Neptune because when, you know, sometimes when I have a guest on, I like to talk a little bit beforehand just to kind of parse out some of the themes we might be, uh, you know, touching on and organizing our thoughts. And Stephanie was uh, expressing that <laughs> how malefic she thinks Neptune is, <laughs> which I was like, finally, somebody. I will die. I will die on this hill. <laughs> right. Neptune is a malefic. Like. Yeah, the, the worst of the Malefics, I I think. Well, well S.J. Anderson um, pushed back on me a little bit last time I had a live stream um, when I said that specific thing, and he had really good arguments. He he is a genius, so he had some yeah. really great arguments on a balancing argument, like with his beautiful Libra rising on how mm -hmm. we can work with it. But I think that you know what you and I were talking about was, you know, the Neptune's you know, ability to dissolve things just into goo, you know, I think you were referencing mm -hmm. the matrix, you know, and the, the, the primordial yeah. ooze that people were just sitting in. And I definitely feel back. Back <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. right, exactly. So it's like we'll, that meme. Uh, anyway, so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. W one thing I wanted to let's, let's do this. Let's pull the chart up. And we'll kind of take a look at the chart of the new moon and see if we can kind of further break this down. So this is May the 30th, 2022. Uh, make the proper time adjustment for your area of the world. This is 7.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Um, we have the sun and the moon at, at nine degrees of Gemini. Um, this is the terms of Jupiter, the face of Jupiter, um, but our host is going to be Mercury or Hermes. And we have one one interesting thing that your we should friendly touch on. neighborhood right your, your, your yes exactly mm -hmm. one thing we should touch on and we've been sort of touching on this the entire time but Mercury you can see is at about twenty six degrees of Taurus which is very close to the fixed star Algol if not right on it yeah. um, and Mercury is in aversion to the sun and the moon which means that it's not able to witness. Uh, those planets and provide resources in the most effective way possible. Um, and I would also point out that the sun and the moon both are under a condition called peregrine, which means that they don't have any of their own essential dignity. 
So one of the first things I'm seeing with this new moon is this is just a, a wandering moon on some level. The host can't see it. We've got a stationing Mercury. Okay, so it's, it's, it's retrograde, but it's going to be stationing direct within a day or two of, of this and emerging from the beams. So coming out from the underworld, bringing back the, the gift of, you know, I don't know, awareness from, from the depths. And I think, I think, you know, we've been talking about this today that as a collective, we have all been going into these chthonic depths and having to deal with the repressed, dark, instinctual challenges of being, you know, not only spiritual, but material um, animals as well, you know, and the, the instinctual existence. Um, what, what else are you seeing here? What is, what is sticking out to you? I mean, first of all, you know, I think it's important to state that this is not <laughs> an eclipse. And I feel like we're kind of at this lunation. We're out of the eclipse weeds a little bit. But right. we've had eclipses in the sign, you know, of Gemini and Sagittarius until pretty recently. And so there is that maybe sense of a, a bit of relief and freedom, like you say. There's a very, there, there are just so many possibilities um with this lunation but i'm i'm very i'm curious about the alcohol you know element yeah. and sort of almost like where are our collective blind spots and you know what you know if medusa is kind of hiding in the shadows and does her you know turning us into stone thing like maybe I think this new moon requires vigilance about our own blind spots as well and kind of where maybe, yeah, just being willing to, with all of these kind of hot button issues that we're, and there's like a pressure to take a kind of a stance on them, I think right. taking, maybe taking a step back and, and owning kind of where we contradict ourselves and right the humility humility that requires as well very well said i yeah i think that it's yeah the pressure to take a stand it, it feels it feels very that feels very real um mm -hmm. and in, to immediately take a stand you know maybe with some of these aries placements um and and on some level you know the, the anger is righteous so i i understand that um, with Mars, Jupiter, and Aries, that is a yeah. very righteous right. Quentin Tarantino revenge <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, Kill Bill Low style. Torch in the pool, kind of. Ugh, reservoir yeah. dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but but I think that what this moon is asking us is to maybe collect some information first. Maybe collect yeah. you know more perspectives to try to find what the best way forward is to find out the choice that will is worth in in incarnating and this is one of the things i wanted to to talk about with you today stephanie mm -hmm. is that here in this chart we have this new moon in my location is actually a zero degrees uh cancer rising chart with the gemini on the 12th house which mimics the thema mundi with gemini on the 12th house cusp right mm -hmm. And I, being willing, like there's freedom, there's ample freedom, I think of time, like 
in, in the 12th house time seems to kind of fold in on itself. And I, I think just, just knowing that we have more time than we think to really tease out the nuances and to, like you say, choose our river tributary well, like to really honor the process of elimination as well, like negative dialectics and sort of knowing what we don't want to do before we proceed down the path with our Aryan righteousness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those two things can work together because the, the Gemini air exploration can fuel that Aries fire. And I think that those two things are, are complementary through their sextile relationship right now. Mm -hmm. Um, the 12th house is really interesting to me and I, and I would like to hear your mythological thoughts on this because to me, Gemini and the 12th house is almost inseparable. And when I think about the 12th house as a liminal space, when I think about potentially as the 12th house, as the, the house that was on the ascendant before the ascendant, so that the, the time before birth, the pregnancy mm-hmm. of it, right? Um, and, and there's a myth from Plato called the myth of Ur. And, and are, you, mm. are you familiar with this myth, Stephanie? Yeah, the basics of it. The, the general is about to be burned on the funeral or the soldier on the funeral pyre and he is kind of transported to that liminal holding space where the souls are deciding right kind of which life they will choose but they don't know the consequence they you know somebody I think chooses I'll be a dictator but then doesn't realize that they end up committing horrendous you know acts in in their lifetime um but the the soldiers is that right am i yeah no no you're you're spot on spot on um yes being transported to the afterlife the elysium fields or whatever you want to call it yeah the forgetting space then then and then you know to add a little bit of nuance to that too like you are given a a a number of lots or you have to like choose lots and Mm -hmm you can I, I the thing that i'm a little bit unclear on with that myth is do you get to know the consequences of your life and have to choose all of those things or is it an ambiguous thing where you have to take the leap that that's where and I, with the 12th house yeah, that's what i'm not sure about either yeah I, I i think that you may be a little bit more right on with the 12th house because it is this place of uh invisibility where the sun is still Mm -hmm. below the horizon so you can't possibly know all of the you know results of your choice but i do think that this really i've talked about this a lot with my gemini clients um where where i I think that a lot of the the exploration is kind of like saying and the the anxiety i will say is the Mm -hmm. pressure of having to choose a life and knowing and possibly with the knowledge of all the all the joys and all the pains that you might experience right and i think that that's one argument for for saying that well maybe it is that you know what's going to happen when you when you when you choose and and it's not unlimited lots you have there's only a few that you get to choose from in that space um so I could see that some of the indecision potentially around Gemini or the exploration about how, wanting to really get it right. And maybe even, maybe even a bit of perfectionism with Gemini as well, that mm-hmm. maybe isn't acknowledged. 
is, I think is, I see perfectionism come up so much with yeah. Gemini clients, with myself, something I always struggle with. And, and I think perfectionism is born of just having that view of being able to see all the chess moves ahead, not all of them, but just like, you know, um, yeah. perfectionism is about launching into the future and not being in, in the moment, you know? Right. Well, and and, it, and to me, this is something that I learned in my nightlight astrology studies that was a point of emphasis from Achuta Bhavodas, where he's he talked- He's one talk, of my favorite astrologers. He's great, yeah. He's, he's, he really get, gave some really good nuggets in that class as far as philosophical perspectives. And one that mm -hmm. I really liked that he brought to the fore was that potentially air signs being related to perfectionism because of the idealism mm -hmm. with it, where it's not necessarily mm -hmm. rooted in the, the imperfection of physical reality, but the, but the projection of what could be. And that is something that could be very difficult sometimes for, for us to reconcile with the actual lived material reality. And that resonated. And that with whole me. thing in the Phaedrus as well about beholding the beautiful youth. And it reminds, you know, the person of, the perfection of the platonic forms and that place where they were a soul and were drifting, tripping the platonic forms, fantastic. And yeah. just the piercing kind of like Gemini as well on a sort of more literal, just what, what is happening with the light in Gemini season. There's that, you know, culmination mm -hmm. of, of the light before it's going to sort of start to weaken and disperse again. And that beholding the bright kind of shiny radiant thing, but knowing it will kind of fall out of your grasp pretty soon. So I think yeah. the melancholy of Gemini sometimes is again, holding the beautiful thing and it's, it's decay at the same time or kind of being able to have something while losing it of that, if that makes right. sense, kind of explains my love life, but. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, yeah. I think that, um, you know, it reminds me of that, the story of the Discori, the twins, Castor and Pollux. Yeah. You know, and, and I was doing, in my research for this, this live stream today, that I was seeing pointed out, I believe, in a, in a Liz Green book, um, where she was discussing that, you know, we, we, we've talked about, I've talked about in various factions about how one of the twins has to sacrifice some of their immortality for, so that the other may live after one of the twins, the mortal twin, Castor, is slain. So Pollux mm. has to make that sacrifice. What was an, an interesting um, new light bulb for me that I didn't always connect was they can never be in the same place again. They have to be able to hold these dualities mm. because they, they alternate between olympus and the underworld so they're they're never actually able to like come together they have to hold that duality they have to hold that opposing space on some level now and the sort of Demi demeter persephone myth as well which i sometimes link to virgo like the other mercury sign that duality as well not right. being able to dwell you know in one place you have to um yeah be bi-coastal yeah well and, and and that brings me to the like the you know riffing off what you were saying about the the approaching summer solstice 
where the mm -hmm. sun in the northern hemisphere is, is ascending in its declination and how high mm -hmm. it rises at noon. And it's, it, this is another thing that I keep repeating is that Gemini is an ambitious sign. So this is another yeah. thing that, that Achyuta really, uh, a point that he made that resonated with me, is it is an ambitious sign because the sun is still rising. But once you get to that point, it reverses its direction, which exactly. can, can be taught, you know, thought of as the frustrates, you know, people that may not understand the process of the, the, and, uh, the accusatory fickleness of Gemini, right? <laughs> like, that sometimes we see in modern astrology or, or the zeitgeist. But I think that there is, you know, uh, that reversal is sort of baked into it. And mm -hmm. I, I will offer that just looking at the cards and studying the decans, the ultimate result of Gemini, this, we have, you know, the paralysis by analysis, the anxiety of trying to reconcile all the different options, and then eventually the sacrifice that needs to take place of one of the directions so that the other can actually live. You know, so this it, is my ascendant. Right, in <laughs> three. So there, yeah. there's, there, eventually the end result in Gemini is you actually do have to make a choice. And, and I, when I counsel people with that third deck in Gemini, like, like you would have, I would say, the way to shift perspective is to say, you know, this is, I'm going to infuse life into the thing that is most important to me that I have mm. been able to ascertain through my explorations. It's not mm. necessarily about just holding that space forever because mutable signs, they're in motion. They're bringing us to the next cardinal point, to the next kentron or stake in the sky, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. It's a transitionary phase. And I think that there's a lot of peace of mind that can come when our Gemini friends say, you know, I've done my exploration. This is the choice I've made. And I'm committing to this for now. I'm in this moment for now. And I can change my mind later like the sun does. But for now, this is where I'm in and I'm completely present in that moment, right? I feel like that pattern plays out in my life a lot and not to get too in detail, but that, that definitely was sort of a, a trajectory that I experienced coming to California to you know, meet somebody that I was quite excited to meet and we really hit it off and then it kind of just somebody I'd been talking to online for quite a while and anyway and it just abruptly ended and I was totally you know heartbroken and man my Venus and Cancer hard oh, no. time letting go um, oh no sensitive yeah. souls right oh man yeah, yeah it's but I ran away to Mexico and then slowly this I, I was never supposed to be in Mexico. I thought I'd be traveling around California with this guy or other friends. And, um, but I discovered this piece in Mexico that was totally for me. And I was mm -hmm. riding horses and just wandering Mexico City and my senses were so alive. And it came off of this immense kind of heart piercing loss, but then something even kind of richer opened. And I, for those weeks, I was just so in, in the moment and just mm -hmm. rooted in that place. And, um, and that's very 12th house as well. I think. Yeah, I like, was going to say, I was going to say that's yeah. the surrender of the 12th house, you know, really, I think reflects that Gemini experience that you were having as well. You know, and it was like every day I would talk to my Gemini friend and be like, Oh, 
I should go back to Canada, right? And he's like, no, just stay another day, see what happens. And then I would stay another day and something wonderful, I would see something wonderful or strange or have a, an adventure and just lived life day by day and yeah. accumulated beautiful experiences, memories, new friends, Absolutely. and now have decided to move there. So, well, there you go. I, <laughs> you, you need to write a, tra a travel, a travel blog, like, or a I travel think that novel. Is the next. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I, I have a feeling a, a novel will come out of my time in Mexico. So. Excellent. Well, Stephanie, I'm going to check in on the chat here. Um, we have some uh, folks that are commenting about, let's see, I'm going to go back through. And I'm sorry, I'm having a Mercury moment. I need to plug in my laptop. So Sure, yeah, no worries. Really sorry about that. Yeah, I'm going through the chat here. We've got um, people are talking about Spain and dancing, paprika. Uh, somebody is saying that uh, feeling the same way about the Yucatan, the first week of June. Um, Remco says, uh, well, uh, actually, th that was a comment I already read. Um, Remco is talking about Neptune as amniotic fluid, uh, Ooh, yes. which would be dissolving, um, in, but life-giving, which I think that mm. is another perspective. I'll say Remco, some, I resonate with that description as well because Robert Schmidt in his um, description of the outer planets talks about Neptune as a transcendental moon, but it being primordial substance. And I mm. think that that really makes sense to me. But, but his, his caveat with that is that it's actually just devoid of the pneuma or spirit that is he considers represented by Uranus as a transcendental sun. So it is just the substance that needs to interact with like the one mind. Um, so I guess if you don't have amniotic fluid connected to the mother body, it's just goop, right? So, so both of these things could be true. They, it can be nourishing, but it has to be connected with a spiritual infused consciousness with with a mind right and i think a lot of the times neptune you know can dissolve us back into undifferentiated awareness which on some level that is the goal of some spiritual practices but it can also feel the flip side of that is many gemini or i'm sorry many neptunian experiences in history have coincided with genocide where people were trying to homogenize people and you know eliminate any the beauty of difference so yeah. it's a <laughs> you know there's there's all sorts of things associated with that ek is asking i'm curious about today's animal card well ek we're going to be talking about that in a second sorry we're we're on the we're on the balsamic uh, ramble today <laughs> which is yeah. sometimes that's the way it goes you know i think both uh both stephanie and i tend towards the verbose narrative quality but you know it's all good like we're we're just easing our way through it today two gemini's try to screw in a light bulb <laughs> right. end up writing an elegy about it exactly yeah i've, I've got yeah. venus and gemini and you know we've got a bunch of cancerian energy or just you know meandering Yo, through there is yeah. kind of a mirroring going on yeah for sure um yeah so, so just to give you a preview, though, uh, Beth Ek is that we're, we're the grouse is the animal that we're going to deal with today, um, which is really talking about establishing a rhythm, a, a very flamboyant display to attract attention, 
but also going with the flow of life and getting into the rhythm that is is connected with the flow of life like we've been talking about with all these river metaphors and things as mm -hmm. well um just for those that want the preview of the other divination we are looking at hexagram 42 which is called benefit changing with two lines that are actually really positive so there is good news at the end of this the divination is actually very very good so I, that gives me some hope so i wanted to give you the kernel of hope before our, our collective balsamic cancerian energy bumps everyone out too much <laughs> but, before i retire into the <laughs> right exactly um so 42 moving to 59 which is is related to dispersing the things that actually keep us separate which which we'll preview with neptune potentially as well mm -hmm. um so so one other thing i want to say about this new moon in particular and the energy here Yes, we have Mars and Jupiter in the overcoming sextile to the lunation. So those two energies trying to be supportive. But one thing that I think that is good is we do have uh, Venus moving into Taurus, into her own domicile. And honestly, I keep forgetting about that, but silver lining. Right. A little balm, right? That may yeah. be helping, helping, you know, might not be helping the lunation directly, because it's not witnessing it, but mm -hmm. it is helping the host Mercury by mm -hmm. by coming back to her own sign and giving us all the resources we need to do maybe some of that behind the scenes work that psychopomp work um, that is necessary throughout this particular uh, lunation. It comes okay. bearing chocolate at the very least. <laughs> right. Yeah. Go outside, go to Mexico, <laughs> like, ride a donkey, uh, you know, go through the canyon, listen to some mariachi. Don't stare at an eclipse. I, that was that was bold. <laughs> but, but, uh, that, that was a bold move. That was only a... because Michael was there. I was like... uh, OK, uh, I'll give you that one. Um, but yeah, just just, you know, Give yourself that sensory self-care, mm -hmm. I think, is, is that is available with Venus moving into Taurus is saying, hey, it's okay to slow down a little bit. It's okay to take care of your body. It's okay to live in this moment a little bit and let things come to you. I think that's mm -hmm. the thing I would recommend with this because we've had this Venus and Aries energy where we've just been maybe pretty impatient about what we want and pursuing it with Venus being in the domicile of Mars. And now with Venus returning to a feminine yin earth sign, it's all about just letting it come to you, you know, dissolving. And I would, I would argue that Venus has had a hard time, basically, even though she was exalted in Pisces, that Neptunian element, it was, mm. I don't know, almost inaccessible or too much of a good thing or how to hold that sudden these sudden rains in your hands that have sure. just come out of the malefic enclosure and you're you yeah. know it was that that was my experience anyway well we can also point out too that that venus or aphrodite is in her morning star phase and in some cultures yeah. that was considered warrior warrior venus uh, so something venus. else to think about I want to shout out a couple of the people that are stopping by. Gail is stopping by from Sterling Heights, Michigan, uh, my little corner of the world here. Hello, Gail. Uh, D, aka Darren, is here uh, joining us from across the pond in England. Welcome, my friend. Uh, and then Dimphy is stopping in saying that Mercury moment here as well. Just got hacked in Messenger. Oh, no, Dimphy. Um, missed 
most missed most I'm, now i'm having a mercury moment a mo mercury moment <laughs> with a mercury lisp uh trying to miss the most of this that is a hard thing to say miss that, that is a tongue twister of this <laughs> while trying to warn people and fixing this well i'm sorry that you're experiencing that dimphy uh, but Rachel is enjoying our balsamic meanderings, very soothing while I stir risotto. There you go. You're you're getting oh. into the into the Taurus vibe already, preparing for the ingress of Venus into Taurus tomorrow morning. And then um, Betty Metzas is chiming in, saying that Mercury in Saturn's decan and Saturn is in the Moon's decan, connected. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. I, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Mercury in the third decan of Taurus, which is a Saturn ruled Deccan. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to point out about that, that third Deccan of Taurus, whew, it's it's that seven of pentacles energy. There's a spirit connected with that called the Litai, which were the personification mm -hmm. of, of prayer, um, mm -hmm. which was the kind of the, the foil to eight or ruin who would ra run rashly in front and create all these like challenges and, you know, mistakes potentially. And the Litai would follow behind these hobbling old women offering up repentant prayers. So mm. I think that there's a surrendering quality to sometimes there's things and forces that are out of our control. I, they also related that Seven of Pentacles card to the potato famines in the 1840s in Ireland. Um, mm. Blight. So, so by being patient, by surrendering, by offering up your prayers to whatever maybe saint michael right i hope you said hello yeah. for saint michael before taking in a face full of the algal eclipse right? just raw dogging the raw <laughs> i love that word that's something we say in our household when we've been kind of going out with like masking like how oh it's like wow we're just raw dogging some air right now is how you know like, so, and how much of it how much of a treat that was during the, the height of the, the pandemic uh, when we were out in the middle of the field in the middle of nowhere, just like, you know, so yeah, I love that word. Um, like that velvet underground or blue velvet. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Just, yeah. So I'm looking down my list here and I think we've, we've covered the condition of the planet. We've talked about the host Mercury that's going to be stationing direct. We've talked about Algol. Um, I think we've covered su su sufficiently Mars and Jupiter uh, uh, sextiling this lunation. Mm -hmm. um, we've explored some of the explosion and option of options and duality by Gemini 1. I want to talk a little bit about overcoming paralysis. And before I do that, if all of you are still with me here today, I think we still have some, some people out there today, uh, you know, 25 or so of you still joining us. Uh, if you're still here, chime in in that chat box. And if you could do me a huge favor, hit that like button. If you're new here, please subscribe to the channel. Um, and again, make sure you follow Stephanie and all her channels as well. Um, so we're going to be, uh, I'm going to talk about now just briefly. We've asked a lot of questions in this talk. And I do like to at least offer some practical solutions, even if we don't have all of them. But T. Susan Chang in 36 Faces offers up some really interesting solutions via the other eights in the tarot. And I wanted to kind of toss that out there and then toss that to you, Stephanie. She says, uh, solutions to the paralysis of the Eight of Swords. First of all, you could, you could deal with the Eight of Swords itself by quieting the mind, right? Like mm -hmm. perhaps meditation and, and not getting so attached to every thought that flows through you, right? For sure. The Eight of Wands 
is is the kind of this opposite energy of it's a mercury ruled decan in a jupiter sign so we've got the speed of change happening so waiting for just your circumstances to change if you feel like something is you're paralyzed by all these options well just wait a little bit it's gonna it's gonna change the wheel's gonna continue to spin she talks about the mercury retrograde and (laughs) right right and eclipse dust takes a while to settle it's yeah yeah. exactly And, and and like you know the reason we're spending so much time on it is that eclipses are they're bigger chapter markers and narratives i think than a normal lunation i mean they have these meta cycles and you know the changes that we're experiencing through this eclipse season is going to we're going to reverberate out in like butterfly effect little like droplet rings in a pond mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so another way that she talks about solutions to this paralysis eight of pentacles which shows somebody a craftsman just getting to work so if you have mm-hmm. all these ideas just just sit down, start doing something with your hands, start working on things, learn something, uh, get out of your head and get into something physical. And I've then, actually decided to take up archery. I've got nice. a friend who's going to teach me archery. So. Perfect, right? So there's a practical yeah. skill that you can use yeah. in the 21st century. Good for so. the apocalypse. And, <laughs> there you yeah. go. You, you're getting your own personal Hunger Games Katniss training, just in case like the olig- corporate oligarchies decide for their entertainment. They, they want to draft you into <laughs> like some kind of post-apocalyptic uh, game for their entertainment, right? Well, my girl guide, you know, training tells me to be prepared so. <laughs> there you go very smart uh, my daughter is starting to like want ask me about martial arts training because she has mars and aries and i'm like well yeah that sounds like a good idea maybe we'll get you yeah. signed up for that um the eight of cups is shows a figure leaving behind material success and wandering into the unknown and maybe going internally so there's also the option to walk away you know like if you are dealing with this choice that you just can't reconcile sometimes a little escapism whether it's through our art whether it's through uh you know going to mexico during an eclipse whether whatever it is like Bold just, move. just just go yeah. just walk away you know sometimes we can't resolve something and there are times where there is no shame in leaving something behind and saying you know i'm gonna go off in search of something meaningful to me rather than having to continue to to fight this, <clears throat> I don't know, this battle of, of ethics and morals. And do you um, think this new moon, sorry to interrupt, yeah, go I'm ahead. wondering if it will be, be sort of a dress rehearsal for what we will be going through when Mars is in Gemini for like 10 centuries. Um, Absolutely. And you yeah. know, you're not the first person to bring this up. The, the, like I said, the quality of this community is very, very high. And someone brought that up in the chat when I was doing my monthly was like, oh, what do you think? It's good. This is going to be like the Mars uh, preview. So very, very good observation. And yes, the, the experiences we have now, I do think are going to be revisited in the fall when Mars makes its retrograde uh, cycle. Um, mm-hmm. So it, that's when the rubber hits the road, I think, on some level. Um, yeah. So we're planting the seeds for that retrograde, I think, at this lunation. Uh, Fionn, who is from Ireland, says, interesting read on the Seven of Pentacles as the Irish famine and preceded by Six of Pentacles, reverse situation where a wealthier nation forced Ireland to export all of our food. Oh, wow. Very interesting. Oh, yeah, that man, that's worth a deep dive right there. Because yeah. we did see uh, in the Six of Pentacles, the distribution of wealth to the poor 
And then I do believe in the secrets of the Rider Waite, which is a book I have here. Um, it's a really great book. Uh, mm. they, they, they talk about uh, Pixie or uh, what, what is uh, Pamela Coleman Smith, you know, having been young enough potentially to have exp- remembered that potato famine. So very, very interesting. Mm. Um, Tarya T says, I'm a 12th house Gemini. No planets or points there. Both my mother and father, strong Gemini sons. So the energy is very familiar. Now I have a grandson with sun, Mars and Mercury and Gemini. Well, you are living this mm. transit. And I will also point out that this May 30th is my mom's birthday, and my mom had the sun on nine degrees of Gemini as well. So it will be her her first heavenly solar return, so I'll be processing that, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out all of the machinations around that. Um, but I wanted to say that this lunation is conjoining a fixed star called Aldebaran. And, you know, this is a a really interesting royal fixed star of Persia that I think is going to inform um, the coming months ahead. Uh, do you have thoughts on Aldebaran? Any any little nuggets for us, Stephanie? Well, I mean, there's that emphasis on integrity, honor, doing right. the right thing, maybe the right thing being the hard thing. But I mean, it's quite a, again, it's connected to, you know, Michael, St. Michael, it's almost quite a, quite a blingy star to me as well. There's a dazzling yeah. kind of almost um, mariachi, you know, quality to it. And sure. a there's, a sen- a sensory, there's a sensory quality to it too, right? Being I think associated with like, the bull. Yeah, like the ancient, those like Byzantine, um, you know, icons or illuminated manuscripts with with Michael on the cover that are just studded in encrusted in jewels and um but yeah with the the connection to the cult of Mithras as well and sort of this again it's been a while since I've done a deep dive on Mithraic rites but um there's, oh come on! You like can't just very... pull that. You can't just pull that out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Mithraic rites. I know there's a bit of you know Virgo larping, cross dressing. Sure. Um, yeah, but there, it's like a very regimented sort of right, right. ascension or um, an emphasis on. It's quite yeah, like it was Roman soldiers who were involved, I guess, in this and. Um, finding that I think we're in a crisis of like what are what are the men doing I think a lot of them have been really disenfranchised or feel a bit lost or like they don't have like that that a position or sort of a I don't know I think the alienation that's hitting is really hitting men especially hard maybe that's a hot take but no I I don't um, think it's I, I don't think that's a out of the realm of possibility. I think that one thing that's standing out about that you're pointing out about Aldebaran is the, the regimented nature of the, the Mithras, the general, right? Yeah. And this is something Bernadette Brady really points out is, you know, Mithras expected, you know, purity of intention and things to be done a certain way. And I think Aldebaran can bring that in where it will bestow great power and wealth and maybe even physical sensory resources based on it being connected and as the eye of the bull in Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that there's a nemesis that she points out where if you aren't 
you know, utilizing purity of motivation, if you're not doing this in the, the way that is in full integrity, then yeah. you'll experience a downfall. So and is that the scorpion getting, you know, pinching the testicles of the Oh, of, uh, in some of, images there the, the bowl there's a scorpion oh, right. sneaking in there or maybe that's the you know the host in a version too yeah potentially I, I always think of the scorpion having this relationship with orion you know and like one rising one setting and killing that god and that seems to work if it, we can take it a step further with the testicular self-sabotage absolutely but as far as coming circling back on your point about maybe men feeling isolated, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I I mean, I guess just for my own, I can only speak for my own personal experience. But as a, you know, white cisgendered male in his early forties, uh, sometimes it can feel isolating to to age and to become a going into a stage of life that is where you have a lot of responsibilities um, mm-hmm. as far as like maybe some people have parenting responsibilities, our parents are starting to age or pass. Um, And I don't know, I think that one of the things that America has built its foundation on, and we'll we'll wax political for a second. (laughs) Hope we don't alienate too many people, but these things need to be said. A lot of the the challenges, and I have to collect my thoughts for a minute. What happens when you get into late-stage capitalism is you have a consolidation of wealth that is in this particular country has been consolidated from the seed of white male slave ownership right number one number two you it was not just all the white males were rich in america it was a very small fraction of them and from my exploration of this what happened in the late 1800s was that these rich oligarchies decided that the, the, the uh, liberation of the, of the slaves was, was a threat to their wealth. And they radicalized the poor white farmers to, th- to be mm-hmm. able to say, hey, this other, this othering of the, you know, the African-Americans at the time, the black people, the freed slaves at the time, you know, was that's where you should point your aggression instead of at us, the, the mm-hmm. full elite. And I think that we're still seeing that playing out in America where white male Americans in particular have been othered or have been encouraged to other people because of the wealthy elite trying to say, nothing to see here, <laughs> you know? Well, it's like, all mis- Gemini misdirection, exactly. divide and conquer. I mean, like in a way, Trump was with Algol actually on his midheaven. He was right. kind of the master of manipulating those really stark binaries and like Trump derangement syndrome. Like right. I think he, he sort of cultivated all that in a very deliberate way and had this... Um, yeah, he, like any narcissist, he could feed off the emotion and the hysteria that his... He put his finger right on the nerve, on that nerve. And and instead of calling people in, he was radicalizing that because of exactly what I said, because of saying the, the giant wealth grab 
in America, which over the pandemic, the, the billionaires have gotten like much more billionaire, right? By exponential amounts. <laughs> yeah. And the only way to, right. And the only way for them to maintain that power is to, like you said, to have this misdirection, smoke and mirrors and say, here Boxy, is culture wars. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and that's, they've doubled down on that so intensely that, you know, it is isolated the white American male to, 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 that's how they are maintaining identity. And how do we make the shift from that identity of othering people to be able to find a, a ritualistic place within the culture and within equality, within, um, cause this, that's one of the things I noticed. I think that what you're describing is we just don't have these like rites of passage, these ritualistic. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to get at. It's like, where yeah. is that Mithraic space for right. men and women to kind of ritualize the stages of, of growth and development, especially for young men. And, you know, yeah. when your hormones are raging and being a teenager is fucking, it's hard. It's really hard. And yeah. having that sort of, having a regimented structure to honor those stages of development. I think we're really missing that in our culture right now. And instead people are just, you know, like losing themselves in the box of mirrors. That's the internet that just kind of right. regurgitates well, their, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a couple of things. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely hitting the nail on the head. And I think that the pointing out that, that first of all, the pandemic, further isolated people and removed them from the face-to-face -face interaction from the ritualized like the rites commons. of passage we lost the commons the commons where you can actually have a sort of in real time discussion right. about something and and it forced people yeah. into those internet sort of dark spaces where they were able to express their their righteous pain at feeling yes exiled from any sort of connection but then that was twisted into something very dark by people like trump by or oligarchy and, the, and the, tech <laughs> the tech companies themselves I would yeah argue as well yeah. right because they're billionaires too so yeah. so they're they trying their kids use their own tech and there's a reason right. for that so so they are trying to have people eat each other so that they can get richer right yeah and you you shove all these people you don't give them the resources they need uh to to be healthy and that's why you see things like we saw in texas like we see in sandy hook i know that that was before that was the the seminal seed for a lot of these things but you know yeah. it, we were still in late stage capitalism then it just it has accelerated since we've gone into the pandemic and into the great wealth gap that we've been experiencing um, and I just Plutonic as well, oh like my God, right? Saturn, Pluto, that whole thing. And even I think about the U.S. Sibley chart and that yeah. that eighth house is very interesting. And yeah, that eighth house, I guess, sun and is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah, I have it somewhere. I can pull it up if you want. Um, but we, maybe we won't dwell on it too much. But yeah, it's a bit of a digression, but just. Yeah. But I do think that we're, I believe in the progressed chart of America, it's a satirizing the Sibley chart. So that would, that would yeah. make it an eighth house sun. And we have Pluto 
coming returning in its second house of wealth versus and making an opposition to the sun and cancer in the eighth house and the basics of survival as well like you know empty you know shelves in grocery stores that feels right very pluto in the second and Remco is bringing us back full circle and saying, looking at Aldebaran, the physical correspondence Bernadette Brady gives is the hypothalamus or the hypothalamus, a major player in hormonal balance. Oh, interesting. Very. So the, right. I, I assume our circadian rhythms as well are yeah, regulated by, by that <sighs> and dysregulated by the screens, but yeah. yeah. Well, I don't have a, a great, I'd have to think and muse with you for many hours to see how we would call in our youthful male energy and give it a sense of belonging that is healthy. I'd have mm-hmm. to really meditate on that. I'd love to hear people's uh, thoughts on that and how we, we nurture these young men and young women and, and yeah. whoever, nurture our youth in general or just people in general in a in a, a society that is pitting us against one another um you know and, and forcing us to consume one another that's something that i pointed out with my exploration of cancer in the astrology of june is the moon is not only a nurturing planet it is a consuming planet a mother must consume to feed and as a cancer moon i yeah yeah I relate. <laughs> so yeah uh, Tanya is saying the young males music at their age, for example, the beat stimulates sexual chakra while the words degrade females. I saw the feminine part stifles creation. Potentially, there may be some music like that. I mean, music is so diverse, though. It's, there's some music that does that. There's others that is healing. Um, well, what do you think? There was one digression. So I think that we're talking about Aldebaran. I think we can, we've had a pretty good exploration of Aldebaran, a very powerful fixed star that requires integrity. Um, and to sum it up, has a, a, a fall from grace if you're not being that regimented, in, integrity, ethical self. So there are ethical quandaries, like the lover's card that we're going to be facing, and we have to be able to make the right choices. Um, okay, we've talked about twin myths, we've talked about the 12th house and the myth of Ur. Uh, are you, can you still hear me? I'm hearing a little weird buzz. I can hear you. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, the, the Sephira that's associated with Gemini uh, 1 and the 8s in the tarot is called Hode, which mm-hmm. roughly translates to splendor or intellect. It is also a mercurial, um, a mercurial kind of Sephira or energy center. Have you studied the Tree of Life at all? Is that something you bring into your practice? I'm only just getting into it recently as I get more into the Toth as well. But um, I understand that it's Hode or Hod. <laughs> I, I think it's Hode, but I'm not sure. <laughs> There's that sort of like when language is given form or like the ability to demarcate and separate things into their constituent parts. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm still. A no, no. Yeah, you're on the that right path. Free of life. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty new with the Sephira as well. Yeah. And um, I guess my experience of of Hode is there's a surrender quality to it as well. Mm-hmm. What we've been it's talking beautiful. about today. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's uh, 
you know, it's on the pillar that's related. I believe it's the pillar of like, uh, there's what are the three pillars? No, now I'm going to, now I'm going to screw it up. It's, it's one where there's a little bit more receptivity uh, involved in it rather than the active principle. So we may have to receive insights from Hermes in regarding this as well. So that's a little bit Taurus to that ability to surrender to just it coming, calling it in or it being magnetized to you while you stay in the, you know, in the sensual moment. Okay. So Stephanie, should we touch briefly on the, uh, the quarter moon here? on June 7th. Uh, And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that full moon and then wrap up with our animal and our hexagram. So thanks everyone for hanging with us today and going on our slow burn balsamic moon uh, exploration (laughs) of the new moon in in Gemini. Um, Please again, if you're enjoying what we're doing out here, subscribe to the channel, hit that like button. If you want to make a physical donation to the work we're doing, there's a super chat or a super sticker, little dollar sign there or after the fact. You can either buy me a coffee or a chocolate at buymeacoffee.com, or you can buy, do a super thanks by hitting that little heart button. Um, okay, this this talk was brought to you by, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, the hoops we have to jump through. Um, so we're looking at the first- You didn't say smash that like that. Smash so it. Right? There, is, there is some dignity. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. With Mars and Aries. Yeah, yeah, Stephanie and I are commiserating on all the compromises we've had to make as artists uh, mm. trying to live in this late stage capitalist world and how painful that can be yeah. sometimes, right? Indeed. All right. So we're looking at June, on June 7th here, the, the square between the Virgo moon and the Gemini sun. And I guess one of just my, my big picture thoughts with that is we're, we're seeing the moon moving through a decan that's related to infusing matter into form and the hard work necessary to do that. And, and the, the, first, the second decan of Gemini is related to the anxiety of ho- trying to hold all these thoughts and these dualities. So, you know, to me, this is kind of like, hey, you've got all these ideas, you, you had this planted, this seed of idealism, but what are you going to do about it? What are you going to make? How is it going to be born into into form? And Austin Kopic has the image of the hermaphrodite. Is that right? That's For correct. Gemini as a sort of yeah answer to how to hold um, that duality into like a single body or yeah. Absolutely. And, and grace. Well, and he and he 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 drew that name from the myth of I believe it's is it Sibylle? Do you how do you, do you say is that how you say it? It's K Y. Or C C Y B E L E. I can't. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. I think but so. That myth is basically was a, a a goddess or a god that was born with both uh, both genders and was cleaved by the other gods because they were afraid of their potency and their power. And mm-hmm. it, the phallus was cut off and fell to the earth, and from it grew an almond tree, and a passing nymph ate one of the almonds. And then there was this eternal pursuit of Sibylle and her other half, which was called Addis. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was this constant trying attempt to reunify after Very being Plato symposium as well, like the, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we'll have to try to recover some lost pieces of ourselves and, and reunify on some level and be able to hold both parts of ours, the, the masculine, the feminine, the yin and the yang, and, 
and realize that if we go back to the 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 oneness of experience that we we all contain the seeds of all of those types of experiences and how do maybe that's another way to to bring in the the youth of america or the young males of america's Mm -hmm. get them in touch with not only their lost masculinity but their their sacred feminine side as well right so well I've, i've been watching with interest all the protests happening in schools as well i think they're yeah, it might be something that grows out of that sort of communion. It's very Jupiterian as well, the coming together, you know, of the youth and, and rage and grief. And But I think something really potent could be, could be born of that. I agree. We'll see. And we'll, be, we'll, we'll have a retrograde Saturn here too, ha- asking us to review the, the philosophical structures that we have as agreements as a, as a society, I think as well, where mm-hmm. we're saying, okay, here's how you, here are the narratives that build a society, that the intellectual versions of laws, of agreements that we've made. Now all of those are up for review on some level here. So yeah. interesting times. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's move forward to, um, let's talk a little bit about the full moon, just briefly as to, and we talk about that because what we're doing is we're, we're talking about the seed of the cycle, and here is its fruit. So the seed was planted with many proliferation of options. And now mm-hmm. we have the sun in the third decan of Gemini, where we, we've talked about the necessity to make a choice. We've got the moon in the third decan of Sagittarius, which uh, we, we, here's what the two cards we're dealing with here, right? The Ten of mm-hmm. Wands and the Ten of Swords. Um, Weighty. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. T- to me, that Ten of Wands energy is kind of, I like, I always use the word barneager, you know, which is a, a, a horse trying to, to just really, you know, destroy its body almost to get over the finish line to get home that burst of energy oh, i that... experienced that in mexico and was like okay <laughs> we're we're galloping now and it just got faster and faster right. as the closer we got to the perfect stable. <laughs> right well and here's our opportunity to to briefly discuss the elephant in the room that we've had here, which is the square to neptune oh, so we've got just a bunch of mutable energy here where we're trying to reconcile all these changes, where we're, we've got so many ideas that we need to choose between. We're trying to figure out how to unify our bodies and our minds to get across the finish line. And then Neptune just throws this, you know, <laughs> I don't know, this puddle. What, what does Neptune, uh, uh, yeah, just a puddle of cosmic ectoplasm or amniotic yeah. fluid. We, we're, getting sl- we're getting slimed, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just thinking of Ghostbusters where they just uh, get slimed. Uh, or that, that Nickelodeon show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Myself, but <laughs> no, <laughs> the elder, the elder uh, millennial. You can't do that on television, which was, no. that show was, was scary to me as a child for some reason. I don't know what it was. It had a, an ominous, like. It was sinister. It was yeah, sinister, sinister. right. Yeah. I feel like it's the undercurrent of like, like you were saying, like ominousness and sinister tone, like where they were very sarcastic and very like, there was a lot of like children in peril from like weird adults in that show, right? I mean, you know, they're just telling them on themselves, but yeah. 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 But for those of you who are too young to remember this or, or didn't grow up with this, they basically had a part of the show where, you know, you'd get dumped a bucket of like green slop on your, on your head 
and I don't know why. Yeah, like I can't... little goggles on and, <laughs> right. and just looked, yeah, it was, I think I repressed that. Like it's yeah. coming from somewhere deep in my psyche. <laughs> there was a lot of execution on that show. Do you remember this? This is all starting yeah. to flood back now. It is, yeah. Like they had execution lines and like people being murdered on TV. <laughs> like, and it, like pro proto squid games, but yeah. 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 Oh, well, I mean, I preferred Carmen Sandiego. She was. Oh yeah, that was great. That was a great show. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and if, if, forgive us for one more Gemini cancer digression, but <laughs> my family and I have been watching the new Kids in the Hall. So I don't know if you're familiar with that as well. I, ha I, I yeah. A so seeing the, the which is it's, it's a Canadian show. Come on, Stephanie. I, I like, I figured they were. I, I was into Degrassi. I loved. I figured they were comedic yeah. royalty in Canada for some reason. No, but... that one kind of slipped my radar for some reason. Well, it, it, it's an it would to me. We've been watching the old show, which was produced thirty years ago, and the new show, and it's been a really interesting meditation, not only on <laughs> the cruelty of time, just seeing these young men turn into old men. Uh, but mm -hmm. also just the, the, the standards that we had for comedy, because comedy is one of those things that taps into the zeitgeist uh, of like culture of what, you know, how, how we treat each other and, and makes fun of it. And really the vibe I got in the new show was almost this apocalyptic, apocalyptic, <laughs> like post-apocalyptic resignation you know in their comedy like they have one sketch where like someone was in an underground bunker just playing the same song like this roller skate song i got a brand new pair of roller just like skates. kids in the hall ontology <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Hmm. so i don't know what that says about where we're at in uh this point in history but it feels very neptunian <laughs> to me um so bring, bring it full circle well, right. I mean, everything is a remake now, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. I think that what I will say about this this full moon, just to give you a preview, and I, I will have another guest on the show to discuss it in depth, but I do think that Gemini 3 Sun is asking us to recognize and clarify, which the sun does, it shines a big spotlight on something, mm -hmm. what choice that we have to make, what sacrifice that we finally have to make. And then the moon is saying, what are you physically going to have to do like what physical sacrifices will you have to make to be able to eliminate the intellectual option, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what that looks like at this point, but I... Uh... <laughs> Maybe with Neptune there, we're not supposed to know. Right, well, there you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll, everybody will check we'll in with us. We'll just all be slimed, just... Maybe <laughs> <slime laughs> that's it. There yeah. you go. That I can hear the buzzer in my or the alarm in my brain of when the, the bucket would go. All right. So Stephanie, we made it through some of the astrology. Um, what do you say we go through a couple uh, extra divinatory uh, systems here very briefly and give people hopefully the turnaround, <laughs> maybe the turnaround. So we, we've talked a little bit about the grouse animal. Um, but the grouse, if for those of you who aren't familiar, is this like kind of like this prairie chicken that has these air sacs that will allow it to make these really interesting and elaborate um, mating dance drumming sounds. Like if you've ever seen a grouse, they have this like kind of myth grass and drumming and the youth of today needing some good old fashioned drumming, you know, some movement, right? Yeah. So I think that one of the ways we can deal with this energy is to get out of our head, 
dance with with life a little bit um mm. maybe there is something where you have to come into alignment with the flow of life lose yourself in the rhythm of music like you are losing yourself in that mariachi band under that mm. those baleful rays hopefully protected <laughs> by michael <laughs> yeah. um but but rituals is i think another thing we were talking about connecting yeah. with the rituals of your life and i think that that can help you feel a sense of belonging because one of the things that really gives me some solace is that even though we have new challenges as a human culture, humanity has been dealing with some form of these challenges for centuries, for mm-hmm. meta cycles. Mm-hmm. And they had certain ways of dealing with death, with dealing with mourning, with eulogizing people who had passed. And how can you get in touch with that? very human ritual to be able to feel connected not only to your community but to the timelessness of humanity itself well, and that's what elegy is all about yeah. like to bring it full circle again that eventual submission to the tropes and motifs and these ancient almost calcified kind of communal forms that create this this quite rigid kind of song lament of of mourning, but there's there's a great comfort or balm in submitting to this machinery that's a lot more ancient than you and you know will outlast this particular death as well. I, you know, and I take I take peace and I take some solace in that, and I think that that's sometimes that's what we have to lean on, right? Is that uh, eternal consciousness rather than the just the very ephemeral one. Um, and that brings me to the hexagram that we're dealing with today, which was surprisingly positive. Like I saw this moon, I was like, this, this looks like a little bit of a iffy, funky moon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the hexagram that I pulled was number 42, which translates to increase, benefit, harvest, enrichment, mm-hmm. generosity, sharing your bounty. And it's mm-hmm. moving to a hexagram number 59 which is translates to excuse me dispersion disillusion getting rid of egotism bringing people together finding a common purpose melting the ice eliminating obstacles within the self and i can't help but think that mm-hmm. maybe 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 we finally have experienced enough trauma and pain to eliminate the boundaries of this duality and this dichotomy to actually mm-hmm. help us come together maybe in the defense of our children, of our safety, yeah. of our security, maybe of we, our souls, like that sort of algal losing your humanity or losing your head. Like when that has happened, it's like, right. well, what, what is remaining that is, you know, human or. Mm. And the I Ching also gives us two changing lines here that can give us some, some additional guidance line number one says it's beneficial to begin a great undertaking supreme good fortune no blame so in my notes i wrote undertaking something that helps others as well as yourself the ability to do something great and ambitious if your motives are pure which i've highlighted aldebaran there Um, if, if your motives are pure it's appropriate to aim high so i think that because this lunation is on such an important fixed star we might be able to make in very important changes and ask very important questions, as long as we stick to the purpose of those projects, right? And maybe yeah. in this case, it's the purpose is 
security, protection, soul retrieval, um, then it might be favorable to undertake those large macrocosm changes, which and other times it might not be where we have to wait. And then line number two says, someone increases him like 10 pairs of tortoise shells. It cannot be opposed. Constant perseverance brings good fortune. The king makes an offering to the supreme deity, good fortune. So th this one was interesting. 10 tortoise shells were used as a form of currency in hmm. ancient times, um, but also as divinatory oracles. So this talks about like maybe a fate that if you maintain your integrity, you, you, the benefit, the increase, the the good fortune can't can't really be avoided, and it's going to be. Uh, I wrote down good luck is the residue of good design. So preparation, cultivating, uh, right? Yeah, um, that's really nice. Cultivating good habits of mind and behavior, choosing worthwhile projects, and utilizing modesty and generosity. Staying true to your values for success receiving benefits with an open mind and avoiding rashness and overconfidence. So, you know, that also fits in with Aldebaran it says, if you want to be able to do something great, motives have to be pure, have the right habits, um, be prepared. It's not just going to happen overnight. You have to show up, right? You have to show and up the and beautiful, the, the virtuosity of that Gemini new moon as well, that Deccan, the finesse and sort of the precision you know, that we can, and just knowing, I think that we have time to choose really well and to love our yeah. choice, not yeah. to Aries, you know, like right. jump on the first um, thing. It's, we've got, we can be discerning. Ask questions. Yeah. See other perspectives, travel a few paths before you make that final decision. That's okay, Look right? that gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. All right. Well, Stephanie, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for your, uh, your wisdom, your time, um, your poetry. Uh, do, you, do you have any more poems for us? Or was that your, your poem for the day? <laughs> I only have one poem. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess we've run pretty late. So, sure. um, well, where can we if find you? Interested? Yeah, the collection is called A Violent Streak. Okay. And it's published by Fitzhenry and Whiteside. Um, yeah. Perfect. Just Google it. And we can <laughs> you see you be. at the Mercury Papers, right? Yes, that's and my Substack. StephanieWarner.substack.com. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. There's a link to it in the description of this video. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Remco, for the super sticker. I appreciate your donation today. Thank you all for being here today. Um, you know, if, like I said, final little thing, hit that like button. Do me a huge favor. That helps get our message out to more people uh, and satisfy our technological mm -hmm. algorithmic overlords. Al Gol. Um, Al Gol. <laughs> <laughs> you go. Very good. Very good. I see what you did there. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Um, sign up for the Deccans of Gemini. I would love to see all of you there. We'll go on an even deeper dive than we went on today. And um, yeah, and just remember to be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Let, let some of the processes play out. Um, go on your explorations. Try to quiet that mind a little bit as much as you can. And um, we'll see you the next time. All right, friends? Thank you so much, Spencer. This yeah. was so fun. Stephanie, this was great. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone. Thank you. Take care, everyone.